0: As you know if you've been here or been watching online that we've been in a a four-week series and this is the fourth week of that series and so I don't want to delay in getting into the message and I want to go straight to work today at what God has given me to share with this church I will again use a little bit of redundancy this week not as much as last week in teaching this lesson but I want you to understand that today this encapsulates the entire concept that we've been talking about in uh, apostolic culture and shifting of the paradigm. So uh, when we started this series, our goal was to get people to understand the need for apostolic culture and to encourage them and to teach them to create apostolic culture. And then finally, to reap the benefits and blessings of apostolic culture. We said already, and we'll say again, culture is defined as the customs, the arts, the the social institution, the dress, the achievements of a particular nation, a particular people, or a group of people. Cultural is all the ways of life that are supposed to be passed down from generation to generation, from family to family, and from one to another. But instead of doing that, we took culture and we institutionalized it. Then we industrialize it when we were supposed to have personalized it so it could metastasize and affect the entire world. It has been said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Simply put, when systems fail, culture prevails. It kicks in and keeps things going. So how do we create this culture? we go back to our roots we go back to our values and those values must be articulated they must be understood and they must be actualized in our life but creating culture requires more than just saying the right thing or publishing a list of our values culture is created by modeling the desired values and behaviors Simply put, people do what people see. We must have more than just local culture. We must have more than just Texas culture. We must have more than just family culture. What we need and this world needs is apostolic culture. Apostolic culture that calms us in our crisis, that keeps us in our storm, and that carries us all the way to the end of our life, we must create an apostolic culture because of what we've been through, what we're going through right now. And I could stop and preach on what's happening on the other side of the world and what Russia's doing and what's about to happen in Ukraine. We, but we're not preaching that. Just know. We need apostolic culture in the world today because of what we've been through, because what we're living through, and what we're going to face in the future. In a post-quarantine world, all the metrics of church measurement have changed. You heard me say it before. It used to be we counted members on Sunday and the money on Monday. But now the ministry must be concerned with the church's life experience through the week more than the worship experience on the weekend. We must create an apostolic culture for those who are hungry and need help in this crazy and untoward generation that we're living. We must create an apostolic culture for the masses that realize that their lives have been ruined by this present day's culture. We must create an apostolic culture for those who would listen to the admonition of the Apostle Peter in the second chapter of Acts when he told us, save yourself from this untoward generation. So what is apostolic culture? To understand apostolic culture, we must go to its origin when the church was born in the second chapter of Acts, verse number 40, excuse me, 36. Peter said it with the others like this. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified to both be Lord and Messiah or Savior. Peter's words convicted their hearts. And they said unto him and to the other apostles, What should we do? Then Peter replied to each of them, You must repent of your sins. You must turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Then you will receive the promise, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued, preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believe were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people. And all the believers devoted themselves to the four pillars of the apostolic church. Apostolic doctrine or apostolic teaching, whichever way you want to say it. Fellowship is number two. And sharing of meals, it said in the King James, breaking bread together. Literally means physically they ate at the same table. In, and including the Lord's Supper and finally prayer, a deep sense of respect or awe fell on all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and their possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. And they met in their home for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now let's observe Paul's instruction to the Ephesian church. And let's get an overview of what an apostolic culture looks like in practice. He said to that church in the fourth chapter in the first verse, Therefore, prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble, be gentle, be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love for them. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and there is one Spirit, just as you've been called into one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all, living through all. And now these, I skip down trying to move fast to the 11th verse. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord We'll measure up to the fullness and complete standard of Christ. Then there will no longer be imma- we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. He keeps the other parts growing so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Everybody say, full of love. And with the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the world the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts, hardened their hearts against God. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure. And are eager to practice every kind of impurity but that isn't what you learned about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by the by lust and deceit instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Don't let sin, excuse me, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. I like that he just calls them out if you're a thief stop it if you're a thief quit stealing instead use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those in need don't use foul or abusive language let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own children, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead... Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgive one another, just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. What an articulate view of an apostolic church or culture in action. And we spoke in the last few weeks about apostolic culture and how it can be divided into two aspects. One aspect of apostolic culture is love God. The other uh, aspect is love people. Jesus, when asked what was the greatest commandment, answered them in Mark 12. And he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. We've got to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everybody say it. Love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love our neighbor like I love me. There is none greater commandment than these. We have examined apostolic culture over the last three weeks by studying it in these two aspects. To love God, we love him through those first two pillars of powerful prayer and through his transforming word or as described in the book of Acts, the apostolic doctrine or apostolic teachings so we love God through those two aspects we love people through the second two aspects of those four pillars which is unbreakable fellowship in practical relationships the first week we discovered that culture is the difference between, there is a difference between the world's culture and apostolic culture. And we talked about how to create apostolic culture. In week two, we covered those two two aspects of praying powerful prayers and the transforming power of the word of God. The week three, we covered the people aspect. That was last week of apostolic culture. Unbreakable fellowships. In practical relationships and finally today we can conclude our series with what we can expect what we can expect from creating apostolic culture and apostolic community so let's move quickly now through this so we can come to that conclusion of the benefits and the blessings of apostolic culture why do we need to pray powerful prayers because we love God you talk to who you love if your spouse quits talking to you you better get a counselor don't come to the pastor I'll pray for you you need a professional you talk to you talk to who you love we talk to God because we love him not because we have to no one is keeping score on your prayer life but God no preacher no pastor no fellow church member has the right or responsibility to keep up with how much you've prayed prayer is your love language with God and you need to pray why do I need to pray because you need and we need supernatural power in this present age if all I had is what these hands could do or what this brain could do or what my wallet could do I would be of all men most miserable but thanks be unto the Lord when my brain can't figure it out my heart's not enough strength or passion to get it done I don't have enough money in the bank uh, I can go to my knees uh, and I can say God I can speak Jesus I can speak Jesus. I can speak Jesus and something's going to happen. If you need to know how to pray, see Pastor Tim's lesson on a Wednesday night two weeks ago. But I can tell you in short, always pray in the name of Jesus. When do we pray? We pray early in the morning. We pray always without ceasing. And we pray often at every opportunity. What should we expect, expect when we pray? You, when you pray, believing in faith, should expect God to show up and show out. Your prayer gives him an opportunity for the invisible God to become real in our reality. We need an apostolic culture of powerful prayer that changes us, changes others, and changes our world. When we create an apostolic culture of powerful prayer, it will develop a relationship between us and God that produces true holiness. I love him, so I want to be like him. Everybody say true holiness. I love him so I want to be like him I could preach here for a while but I'm going to move on now why do we need to continue in the apostolic doctrine or the apostolic faith or the apostolic teaching the teachings of the apostles because we are changed by the Word of God we are born again by the Holy Spirit of God but the Holy Spirit of God only makes us alive it is the Word of God that changes or transforms us. Paul preached to the Roman church in Romans 12 and 1. I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, don't let the pressures of the world change you, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need the apostolic doctrine because it is an anchor for us in this present world, because it is a covenant with us. And God between us and God Why do I need the Word of God because when I feel abandoned when I feel alone when I don't feel anything at all I can go to the Word of God I can find a scripture that becomes the bread of life for me and can change my life we must create a culture of love for the Word of God that makes it the living Word And our daily guide and instruction manual for life very simply it's referred to as the bread of life I can't make it without the word we need a love for the transforming word of God that creates a culture that that creates a culture that shares that good news with everybody we meet hey I want to share something with you. Let me tell you what I read. Let me tell you a scripture that means a lot to me through our personal testimony and through our personal Bible studies. Now, the second aspect of apostolic culture is what we talked about last week, and that is simply to love others. Somebody say, Love others. Everybody say, Love God. It's simple. Apostolic culture, simple. Love God, love others. I love God through prayer, talking to him. I love God through studying his word because his word and he are the same. And I love others through the next two aspects and we'll follow up with them and we'll move to the conclusion. The next two aspects of uh, apostolic culture are to love each other through unbreakable fellowship in practical relationships. These two pillars of apostolic culture are not less significant than our doctrine or your prayer life. As much as you pray to God, you had better have a practical relationship with another human being. As much as you love his word, you had better love your brother enough to bind your spirit and his spirit together. You're not going to go to heaven with just apostolic doctrine. You're not going to go to heaven with just a prayer life but you're going to go to heaven because you've locked arms with your brothers and your sisters and you said, we're going to do this thing together no matter what hell brings or what heaven allows. We're going to live for God together. We're going to do life together. I'm going to be there in the good times. I'm going to be there in the bad times. We're going to get through this together. As much as as the first aspect of apostolic culture is spiritual. The word of God and our prayer life. The second aspect of loving people is physical. You can tell your spouse you love them, but if you don't do something for them and if you don't demonstrate it in the physical world, there is no love there. If you just if it's just an idea or a thought, there is no reality to that relationship so this second aspect is physical it's as physical brother Mike as cutting the yard or cleaning an upstairs youth room it's as physical as going to someone's birthday party it's as physical as going to somebody's hospital bed when they're about to be uh, uh, go through a surgery or in the time of sickness let's talk now about unbreakable fellowship for just a moment or so why do I need fellowship? Very simply, no man is an island. No man is an island. And you were not created to be a solitary creature. When God looked at Adam in the garden, everything else was good, but he had no spouse. And when he had no spouse, God looked at him, no helpmeet, no other. God said, It is not good for man slash woman if you will to be alone it is never good for us to do life alone God saw that this was not good so what is fellowship fellowship is the Greek word koinonia it means by definition an association a community a joint participation or social intimacy and not just a saying I live in a place I, I'm a part of something, but being spiritually and socially intimate. So you know each other's hurts, feelings, uh, you know their moods, you know what they're going through. This is koinonia. This is this joint participation in life in which I choose to do life with others and I ch- so that when you pick up the phone and call somebody and you can tell by the tone of their voice something's not right or something has just blessed them. Amen. That's social intimacy. So how do I create a culture of unbreakable fellowship? First, by considering your own self. Let's do an exercise. Everybody say this with me. I love me. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I miss a meal or two. I get hungry. I've known to, been known to tell my friends, I usually treat myself better than this. Yeah, I love me. I don't want to hurt me. I want me to go to heaven. I don't want to do anything that causes me to be uh, upset or angry. I love me. Jesus said it's that simple. Love your neighbor like you love me. That's how simple it is, but also how difficult it is. Because when you start loving your brother, your sister, your neighbor, or others like you love you, you realize that it's just not your responsibility to take care of us four and no more. But now you have a larger responsibility to the group that you're a part of. And that even though you are doing good, someone else may be doing bad. And when you see a brother that is mourning or weeping, the Bible said we should weep or mourn with those that mourn. But if you see a brother celebrating and having a party, well, call me, please. Because I like to party. Amen. I like to have a good time like we had yesterday. Amen, Brother, uh, uh, brother uh, Andrew and Sister Crystal. We had a great time. They're here visiting from uh, uh, Odessa. I, I always, I say Midland Odessa, but they're from Odessa. Brother Pew's church, we're honored to have you all with us today. Amen. And then we had a great time. We took them to Miller's Barbecue with the Foster, Tim Foster family yesterday. Boy, oh yeah, I'm preaching barbecue. Y'all want me preach some barbecue? I can preach some ribs now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. (laughs) Amen. We had a good time. So the Bible said to mourn with those that are mourning, but it says to rejoice. It said rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Amen. And when you realize that I have a responsibility to the bigger community because he is really me and she oh help me preach now she is really me amen and when i see he or she i'm talking about me it'll stop you from talking about people it'll stop you from being mean because you ain't mean to you you just treat them like you treat me yourself and you're going to be all right paul said Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul preached it to the Galatians like this. If you see a brother overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, go to him with your Bible and kick him until he cannot get up and then stomp him into the ground with the blood of Jesus Christ and then take that two-edged sword and completely kill him. Wait a minute, I'm not there. I'm not in the Bible, I'm sorry. I was just talking about some of you. I'm sorry. I, you get the microphone, you can talk. You know how we are. I don't want to preach the chickens, but you let one little old chicken in the in hill. The, in the, okay, Tracy, I'm preaching your chickens again. Amen. They woke me up at 3.30 this morning crowing. Amen. Roosters dead. Amen. But you let a little chicken get a little old feather out of place, little old sore on it, what happens? Anybody had chickens? The rest of those chickens pick it to death. My God, have mercy on us in the church. If that's ever the mentality of the church, that when we see a brother that is down or out or made a mistake or fallen into sin, we should not go to them and kick them when they're down, but we should go to them, those of us who are spiritual, and restore them with a spirit of meekness. He makes it easy to do. He tells you how easy it is to restore somebody with the spirit of meekness. You know how you do it? Considering your own self. Uh, If you were in their situation, how would you want somebody else to treat you? If you had made a mistake, uh, and some of you... Most of you have. Uh, and when you were down, huh, you didn't need somebody to tell you how stupid you were, how dumb you were. Why did you fall off the wagon? And why did you get into that? Uh, what you needed uh, was a spiritual brother or a spiritual sister to come to say, neither do I condemn thee. But let me help you. Woo. How do I create a culture of unbreakable fellowship? I just think about me. Love my neighbor like I love me. We need apostolic culture, an apostolic culture of koinonia that brings the unbreakable fellowship. He's my brother. That could be me. That has been me. We need uh, an apostolic culture of koinonia that brings uninhibited worship together. Hebrew, Paul wrote to the Hebrew church, chapter 10, 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another and much more as you see the day approaching of the Lord's coming. In other words, when we get together, it is encouraging. It was encouraging, Rob, to see you in here. I, 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 I hadn't thought of you. I saw you, but I hadn't thought of your hospital thing till you raised your hand and, and said hallelujah amen or whatever you did a while ago. And I spun around and said, who is it? And I looked across this dark auditorium. I said, that's Rob. Last thing I heard about Rob and we were praying about, you were over in the hospital with COVID. Not the Omicron kind, but the original kind, the killer kind. Amen. But praise be unto God, my brother's back in the house. Amen. My brother's back in the house. And when you came into the house today, I said, yep, there's another COVID conqueror. There's somebody that got COVID whipped. There's somebody that's still worshiping, even though they've been down. You encouraged me. Uninhibited worship together when we come to the house of the Lord and worship, Pastor Tim, you said it, is sacrifice. It is sacrifice unto something. Whether that's your offering or whether you're lifting your hands and praising in here, that's the sacrifice of praise or whether you're outdoors giving offerings or giving alms or doing something to others, this is worship unto the Lord. Next is unmeasurable sacrifice for each other. Let's take a second look at Acts chapter 2. Just a couple of verses and listen to how it sounds. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had and they sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those that are in need. Now today before I move on, I have prepared a document. And if you want to be a member of the United Pen- Temple Christian Center, a United Pentecostal Church, then the ushers are about to pass out a document that you will sign that says you will sell all of your lands, your house, your car, empty your bank account, and yeah, dip into your 401K. And bring that money next Sunday. to ushers, where are you? Are you ready to pass those documents? Folks, if I had done that and would try to pass that out, not on, oh, my wife said, oh, you, she said, you ain't getting in my pocket. Amen. I know where you hide those hundreds, baby. Amen. Amen. If I had prepared that document and tried to create, listen to me, a system of Pentecostalism, a system of religion. A system of church order. There's not one of you in this place that, well, there may be a couple that'd be foolish enough to sign it. I'm not going to. You ain't got nothing. I'm sorry, my wife's going to kill me for saying that. You take that off of the the online. Bleep that. Back it up. I hope we're five-second delay. Amen. There's not anybody that would sign that document. And the reason why is it would be a cult. This would be a cult if you cause people to do that. Did you hear what I said? It's not not a system's job. It's not a church's job to have you cash in all of your stocks and all of those kind of things and all of that and bring all of that money here. That's not apostolic culture. That's a cult. But let me tell you what apostolic culture is. Apostolic culture is when the Holy Ghost, oh, my helper, I feel him out, when the Holy Ghost hits somebody and they say, you know, we got... 20 acres out there on the lake Uh, or we got 5 acres over here we're not doing anything with or I've got a little money put away for a rainy day and honey the Holy Ghost is talking to me and I want to know if he's been talking to you about selling that land and putting it in missions or, or selling that land and putting it in this or that. You say pastor you about to take a special offering I pray to God we get to the day when apostolic culture does not make us have to take an offering, but people willfully come to the house of the Lord and say, This is what God has spoken to my heart, and this is what I want to do to help others. That's what apostolic, unmeasurable sacrifice. They shared, amen, their money with those in need, and they worshiped together each day, and they met and had supper in each other's homes, even the large supper. And they shared their meal, meals together with great joy and generosity. I said this last week and I started try to take it out for time's sake this week. But I think it needs to be repeated. Notice none of their sacrifices were to God. I'm going to say this and I'll back it up. Just hold your breath for a second. Give me enough time to say it and back it up. You have never given One penny to God. You have never placed one coin or dollar in the nail-scarred hands of the Nazarene. First off, he don't need it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Second off, gold ain't nothing to him. He's going to pave the streets of gold with it. Pearls don't mean a thing to him. That's what the gates are made of. He's got all the wealth he needs. You have never put a coin in God's hands because God needed your money. But he said, when you've done it as unto the least... In the kingdom of God, Uh, you've done it as unto me. He said, here we give money to men. We return the tithe to men. But there it is received by God. Uh, He said, you will know them because they have love one for another. How can you say you love God whom you have not seen when you don't love your brother whom you've had seen? You say, I do love my brother. Then Paul would say, how can you shut up your bowels of compassion when you see your brother overtaken in need? He said, and you say, oh, the peace of God be unto thee. Go thy way and be okay. He said, oh, no, no, don't say it like that. Uh, He said, the peace of God be unto thee. Let me help you out. Let me fix you a meal. Let me give something to you. And then go your way and be filled. Uh, I'm here to tell you, the reason we give is to others. I said it last Sunday and I'll say it again your money that you give today or you gave this week on the app we're not going to go back in the office somewhere and have this shoot that goes straight to heaven pour it all in the shoot hit some button and shoom like the bank it goes up to God we're going to take that money and put it in the bank We're going to take the vision and the mission of the church and we're going to divide the money that you've given and we're going to put it in appropriate places that we're going to be uh, uh, believing that it's going to do the most good. That's what we do with the money. God don't need it. But your brothers do. Missionaries do. We need it to keep this facility going, to keep the uh, computers going, to keep the online system going, to keep all of this going. We need it to fulfill the vision that God has done. And so when you do it here, you do it unto God. But don't let me tell you what to give. But as you purpose in your heart, let every man give. I wish those were my words, but they're his words. As your heart convicts you, let every man give. some. say, well, I hadn't been convicted lately. Well, you better get on that first part of praying a little while then. Because you give to who you love. I wonder if you bought your wife flowers on Valentine's Day or took her out to eat. Or, Come on. Oh, I could preach a while, but I'm moving on. Maybe that's a Wednesday night stuff, Pastor Tim. You get to handle that. <laughs> you like that, Andy? <laughs> Brother-in-law got a kick out of that one. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We, God does not need, listen to me. i preach to you, Brother Andy, since you left. God does not need your time, your talent, or your treasure. But they do. They need your talent. They need, that, these do, because you let us into the presence of God today. When you, when you served us today. I watched my wife, we've had a rough week, yesterday was Taylor's birthday it's been tough on us this week uh, and and it's been a rough week for us, but I watched my wife who's had a rough week when we entered into this place and you started singing the name of Jesus and y'all started calling, tears started flowing joy came back Uh, God don't need your time your talent or treasure but we needed it this morning and thank you for giving unimaginably to us. Thank you for giving sacrificially of your time talent and treasure. Brother Steve thank you Brother Kirby, Pastor Marcos, all of you that have been going upstairs, helping on that new uh, Sunday school wing that we're working on up there, thank you for coming and giving us your time. Thank you for coming and giving us your talent, electricians, sheetrock people. Thank you, Brother Tim, for measuring flooring for us, your treasure. Thank you for pouring in to the work of the ministry. We're talking about apostolic culture. That's what we're talking about. Where preachers don't get up and beg for money. Where preachers don't get up and guilt you into giving. You gave anything lately? Come on, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Get out of here. God loves a, say it loud, God loves a cheerful giver. He said, You shouldn't give out of necessity, you shouldn't give because you're pressured. You shouldn't give for the needs. You should give because you love God and you love your brother. Amen. You want to pour out. You want a blessing. You want a nice place to have. Oh, I can preach. I'm gone. Let me move on. None of these things God needs, but your brother does. We need a culture of oneness with each other. We need a, cultus of one, a culture of oneness with other believers that creates a common vision. I preached this last week. That creates disciples determined to work together I appreciate this church and I need to move on but I appreciate the diversity of this church the multi, the, the multi multi-ethnicity of this church I told you in the beginning we were started with one old white guy One old lady in a wheelchair, she's about 100 years old, and Sister Tommy Williams, and she was a black African-American lady. That's the three people my mother and dad started this church with 48 years ago. And I look across here today, and that cross section, amen, is about there with Latinos, Asians, Uh, people from foreign lands with uh, uh, whites, blacks and what is amazing is that we really do love each other we really do care about each other we really are doing life with each other we are disciples who are determined I don't care where you came from what you've been through what you did I want to go to heaven with you oh clap your hands to the Lord I'm almost done Finally, we need a culture of oneness with other believers that creates an effective effective lifestyle evangelism. We should not have to have a program that makes you go and reach the lost. Excuse me. Please. God, I can't go long, but I got to say this. Anybody remember Saturday visitation? Show up at the church and terrorize neighborhoods. They see you coming from a block down the street and start shutting the blinds. Here comes the Jehovah Witnesses. I've been asked more than once. My wife said stop. I'm out, out of bounds, okay? I'm not even going to look over that way. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. And if you didn't show up at outreach on Sunday, you was going to hell. I mean, on Saturday, you was going to hell on Sunday because the preacher sure lets you know it. Guilt hanging over you, beating you up, programs that push us to try to produce newborn children into the kingdom of God. You don't need anybody standing over your shoulder if you're a a newborn, if you're a new couple in love. Come on, I'm going to preach now. You're a new couple in love. You don't need anybody telling you, have a baby, have a baby, have a baby, you ain't had a baby yet? Oh, I thought y'all loved each other. You ain't had a baby yet? You, You don't need that kind of pressure. As a matter of fact, the more you get that kind of pressure, yeah, it is more, you know, I'm gonna stop now. Amen. But my Lord, if you're in love with each other, oh, come on now. And you're in love with the lord ain't nobody got to tell you it's time for me to have a baby it's time for me to go out and get somebody else out of a lost and dying world and help them be born again and let them become my child let them become somebody that i'm going to take to heaven i'm going nobody no program can produce that but an apostolic culture that says i'm so thankful for what he's done for me i gotta share it with somebody I, i gotta take it to the streets Nothing wrong with Saturday visitation. Nothing wrong with knocking on somebody's door when the Spirit draws you to do it. Nothing wrong with that. But it shouldn't start with a program. It should start in the apostolic heart uh, that says uh, I'm just in love with Jesus uh, and in love with my life that God has given me and I want to share it with everybody. Amen. Lifestyle evangelism and mission-minded members. That's the culture we need. Finally, we need a practical relationship. We need practical relationships if we are to create apostolic culture. Why do we need practical relationships? Because a person standing alone can be attacked and is very easily defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer, and even three are better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken, the teacher said in Ecclesiastes 4 and 2. Why do we need apostolic culture? Oh man, hang on just a second. I'll show you why we need apostolic culture. Amen. Here's why. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. I turned it on silent do it again honey is that y'all come on somebody that's my ringtone when my friends call me when brother Scoggins called me at 530 this morning because he was praying and I was praying for this service that's what came on here we go Brother Bill, he's got it, done. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But if we, are white, we know that there always tomorrow. You know it, you know it. Lean on me. He's getting anointed now. When, when you're, you're so not strong, and I'll, I'll be your friend. Come on. I'll you need somebody face. you can lean on. You need somebody you can lean on. You need somebody. You need a friend. You need a friend. You don't have everything you need. You need somebody you can do life with that you can call up in the middle of the night. They'll get out of bed, come to where you're at and rescue you and come to your help and your rescue. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to get anointed if you don't turn that off. Amen. If it gets to that second verse where it says, you might have something that I need or I might have something that can help you with, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. If I got something you need and I can help you with it, that's what apostolic culture is all about. If I know something about something that you don't know anything about, then I'm here to help you. If I need help with my phone or a computer, I look to a 12 year old and I start singing, Lean on me. (laughs) You might have something. because we need each other we need each other we got to have somebody you got to have somebody you can count on life's too hard come on the life you say well I just trust in God I trust in God too but the only hand of God I've ever felt in my life looks like that it's your hand it's the hand of a brother or I'm sorry do I need to preach here a while are you not called the body of Christ Your voice becomes his voice. Anybody ever felt moved on by the Holy Ghost to give somebody a word? I just felt like calling you, honey. I felt like saying something. Anybody felt like just going and helping somebody? Those become the hands of Christ. The the physical body of Christ looks just like you. Oh, I'm not going to preach all of that, but I'm going to preach some of that. You need practical relationships. What is a practical relationship? It's a relationship that can be practiced daily, consistently, and is sustainable. We're not talking about us four no more. I talked about it last week. Oikos, that's another Thursday night for Pastor Tim. Amen. Oikus means my household, my sphere of influence. Those people that come in contact with me and I come in contact with them routinely, that is my oikus, my sphere of influence. They went house to house. They tied their stuff together in these small house groups. They had no big facility like this. They met in open air plazas when they met together as a large group but mostly they met daily in each other's homes as they did life together. How do I create a practical relationship? I'm bringing it to a close. By being intentional. If you want friends, show yourself friendly. By investing in it. What do you invest in a relationship? Your time, your talent, and your treasure. By sacrificing for it. You don't mind giving to the ones you love. And know. That they love you. You do not mind giving and helping someone like that. And simply by doing life together, it takes effort, it takes planning, and it is as physical as it gets. Somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to bring the ice. Somebody's cooked last week, I'll cook this week. You say, Are you really talking about cooking in church? I'm talking about the Apostolic Church literally ate together does that mean we can't eat alone no it doesn't it means whatever's at my table is your table and whatever is at your table is my table and they shared their life experiences together on a daily basis we need we need to create an apostolic culture of doing life together that brings great joy and generosity we're planning a, a trip to our friends that are up in the Denison area They called us yesterday. We weren't sure if we were going. We hadn't gone to their house in many years. We all meet in Fredericksburg the week after Easter for what we call the Blue Bonnet Run in which we go with about uh, 20 ministry couples and we drive around and look at flowers like old people. (laughs) I enjoy it. Okay, now you know. I like flowers. You think any less of me? But they, David, Pastor Gilbert, Bishop Gilbert had a surgery and they gave him some medicine before the surgery and he was on some other medicine and it caused him to go blind. Yeah, he can see a little bit, but he can't see to do anything. Can't drive a car, can't mow the grass, can't do anything. He can just see around the house. And so he's not been able to come the last few years. And somebody in our group got the idea that, you know, there's probably blue bonnets up around Denison where they live. So this year they called and told us all we we were thinking about going up there and My wife and I were on the bubble on it because we had some other events. We didn't know if we could make it up there and back and all of those things. And yesterday, our friends called us while we were at the table and started telling us they really wanted us to come. Started reminding us of all the good times we had together. And before we got off the phone, I hung up the phone. I told Sheila, how in the world can we miss that? Because it is so much joy just hearing their voice. And strengthen. That's what life together is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be joyful. It doesn't mean you're not going to cry. There's times of sorrow, there's times of death, there's times of that, but you go through that together too. And it makes the times of joy sweet and it makes your generosity even better. Amen. A hole in one is no fun by yourself. Real friends fight over who's going to get to pay the tab. Pseudo friends fight over who paid the tab last time. No, it's your turn. We're talking about unbreakable unity. That as much as fellowship brings singleness of vision, as much as fellowship brings singleness of vision, doing life together brings unity and true community. When the world sees us interacting in this apostolic culture, they will want to join it. And they will say, what is this? What do I need to do to join? How do I sign up? And we will reply, this is the apostolic culture. And there's room for you in this family of God. You see, we must create a culture of loving God and loving others. A culture of loving God that draws us closer to him. And a culture of loving others that draws us closer to them. In the end, this is what they saw of the apostolic culture. Seventy years after the church was born. Get ready for me, you're about ready, amen. Seventy years after the church was born, Luke looked back and he said, let me give you a historical account of the apostolic church and the apostolic culture. And he recorded these words in the book of Acts. And a deep sense of all a respect came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and they shared the money with those who were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. says in the King James, they had favor among all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. In the summary of this four-week series in the conclusion of today's sermon, lesson, whatever you want to call it. These are the benefits and the blessings of an apostolic culture. If you're a part of an apostolic culture that creates an apostolic community, you can expect the supernatural. You can expect many miracles, not just one. You can expect wonders. Study the word wonder. It means anything that blows your mind. God will blow your mind in an apostolic culture. It means the benefits and the blessings are unity and community. You will share life together, and you will share things together, and you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing in an apostolic culture. If you are part of the apostolic culture, you can expect to be a part of the original social security program. Bible says this. The apostolic community created an environment in which they sold their lands and their houses and their things and they gave to every man that had need. You won't get too old in an apostolic culture, the culture that you're discarded but somebody will be there to help you when you need a hand. In an apostolic culture, you can expect uninhibited worship and sacrifice in the temple and in your daily life. You can experience in an apostolic culture, you can expect unbreakable fellowship that brings joy and generosity as you love your neighbor as yourself. You can expect the favor of all the people. The favor of all the people? Yeah. Because they'll look at you and they'll say, there's something different about you. What's different about you? You act different than somebody else. I, 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 can't, I don't figure you out. You, you don't respond or react the way others do to certain things. And the, They'll say, you know, that brother so-and-so, that Mr. So-and-so, he's a good person. My neighbor, they, they call him apostolics. I don't know what that even means, but there's some good people. I want to find out more about that favor of all the people they'll say what is this what what does this mean and it draws people in closer it is an open community not a community that when you come in and i pray if this is your first experience at the temple christian center you didn't feel unwelcome or unwanted we're glad you're here we're glad you're in the house we really are in the old days before covid we'd have taken you out to eat after lunch and We'd have found out what flavor of ice cream you like and buy you a scoop of it. Nowadays, we don't know whether to take you out or not. We don't know whether to shake or bump or run. You know, we, you know, air hugs or what. It's been freaked out around here. You know, you don't really know what to do anymore. But know our hearts. We love you. If you're watching online, we want you. You're welcome here. It's an open community. Not for just one or two. Not just for church people, but for anybody that is looking for a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a welcoming community. It is a community that people want to join. It's a holy community that is in the world, but not of the world. I could preach here another Wednesday night or Pastor Tim. It's a holy community. It's a holy community. If I love Him, I want to be like Him. I don't want to be like the world. I don't want to say, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't want to get my eyes on the world and judge whether anything is wrong with that or not. I want to get my eyes on Jesus and say, "What does Jesus think about that? What does He think about my culture, how I dress, my social behavior, what movies I watch?" Oh, I'm preaching now. That's crazy. We preached against movies for a hundred years. Don't go to the movie house. Don't go to the movie house. Don't go to the movie house. That was UPC 101. Don't go to the movie house. Don't go to the movie house. Don't. Don't and then the pandemic came, and we all just all signed up for Netflix. <laughs> system versus culture. <laughs> well, they didn't say I couldn't watch this stuff. <laughs> I ain't going to the movie house, though. <laughs> system versus culture. We don't need system. We need a heart that says, when I turn something on Netflix, I shouldn't watch. This ain't good for me. This ain't good for my kids. Uh, the Holy Ghost is quenched in it. I don't want to put up with that. When I start to put on my clothes, I don't need to say, I look good in this. I need to say, what does he think about this? I, I, oh, I could preach for a while on holiness. I'm not going to police you. I'm not going to walk around behind you. I ain't buying your clothes for you. I wonder why you buy your clothes like that for your kids. But I ain't preaching about that tonight. I couldn't. And you wonder how they turn out like they do. That's my microphone on, hot mic moment. (laughs) In an open community, it welcomes us. In a holy community that we're in the world, but not of the world. You listening to this? Please listen. I've been cute and funny because it's late and I've gone long. And I'm trying to keep you in the message. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be insulated, but not isolated. You need to be able to walk into any kind of environment and affect it and it not affect you. We are the salt and we are the light. And there is nothing you can do to salt to affect it. You put it on anything and it affects what you put it on. And what you put it on does not affect it. You bring light into any situation and it affects the darkness. And darkness cannot conquer the light. Try it. Just get you a spoonful or a box full or a room of darkness and say, Watch this. I'm going to have the darkness conquer the light. And you fire up a light and watch happiness. Darkness has to leave. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to be insulated by our values, our apostolic culture, and who we are in our relationship with God. But we are not to be isolated from the world. Was with some sinners god help me i said that online some non-church people whatever you know who i'm talking about they took a few more liberties than we do how about that and 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 they were popping a bud light now we wasn't in sunday school give me a break and we wasn't in a bar give me a break i was just somewhere with some men And one of them popped a Bud Light. And then they took about two or three swigs from it. And they went, I'm sorry, I forgot you were a preacher. I said, yeah, I say it to thee. Throw that Bud Light down. Get thee out of here. Get out of town. I didn't say that. I said, it's cool, man. I said, I used to be bound by that stuff. Hello, come on, help me now. I used to have to have one. Now I don't have to have one. (laughs) I used to drink them I couldn't stand up. Uh, Now I don't need it, don't want it. Amen. Amen. And and if you want me to, I'll help you pray for you. Amen. But I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to, come on. I can drink a Pepsi Cola while they're drinking a Bud Light and still not be affected by it. Woo. I know that's way too much for the end of a sermon. But you know where it's at. I'm talking apostolic culture. Because you get apostolic culture, that kind of junk, you know, whether you're, you you know, I used to be an alcoholic. I used to sell meth in this city. If you don't know that now, you know it. It's past the statute of limitations. Police, all the cops that were there are all retired now. Can't get me. I hope not. If so, I just indicted myself on TV. I'm just having fun. Y'all having fun? I don't, look. I don't care if you get up and run the aisles right now. That's not what I'm after. They could You can juke and jive some more. We shout and dance and run the aisles and all that. My job for the last four weeks is to change your mindset from what we used to be to what we need to be and to create an apostolic culture in each one of you that you share with somebody else and you share to your kids and they share to their kids. And a hundred years from now, if God doesn't come back, your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids will be sharing the same apostolic culture with their kids. And it won't be a program. It won't be a system. It'll be a culture. Oh, let's stand to our feet right now. Amen. If you want to be an apostolic and you want to be like the Bible was and those apostles taught and those are taught they preached oh just lift your voice to the Lord Mm. hallelujah I got one more thing to say and y'all gonna sing us out of here all right y'all gonna do brother Bill again brother Bill withers no no you don't have to but they can they can rock the house amen Chicago style here we come here's the deal What can I expect if I create an apostolic culture? And the Lord will add to the church daily. Hear me and we'll be gone. I have been as guilty and as sincere as the next pastor trying to promote, push, Give away, do anything to get church growth. We had a contest one time. I think we gave away something I can, we call Philip Pugh contest on Sunday morning. And that's what it was. We had some prize. And, and sister Placker, I know I'm challenging your memory a little bit and it's challenging mine, but I think you won that contest. And, and you had this whole section over here in those days filled up. Remember Philip Pugh was on an Easter Sunday. And, and, and I know you're being challenged by, by age and those things. And I, that was unfair for me to do that. Amen. But I'll tell you, if you can't remember, you're suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. So that's I'm, important. But I'll tell you, Sister Blacker, I'll never forget, because I'm your pastor. We had a fill a pew contest about two years after we finished this building. And I was excited about this big church moving from that storefront to this auditorium that seats 500 people. And I said, I'm going to have a contest, and we're going to fill a pew. Well, Sister Pracker brought 47 people. She was responsible for 47. One lady. And every seat in this building was was filled. We had 501 in one service. Are you listening to me? And that program worked to fill the church for a Sunday. The next Sunday we had 183. It is what it is. It is a program. Nothing wrong. I've done it. It's what I'm trying to say. Every pastor has. Trying to produce growth. Have a baby. You need a baby. Sure you don't want a baby? Go get you two or three babies. Brother Bill's had eight babies and you ain't had none. You hear what I'm talking about. But when you create an apostolic culture that just shares truth with the people on the job, find somebody that's in trouble, somebody that's in need, somebody that's, Going through something and say, hey man, I think I can take you to a church and introduce you to a group of people that, that you can have joy and generosity and fun. And the Bible said, and the Lord added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. How many of you want apostolic culture? If you do, just lift your hands right now. Amen.
1: In our
0: life, oh, come. On.
1: We all have
0: faith. Oh, yeah.
1: What